Do you remember what you were doing when you were 13 years old? I remember I was still scolded by my parents of playing on my flip phone at the middle of the night. At 13 years of age, Galia was already running a tutoring business and got featured on the newspaper. Despite growing up in an immigrant family, having the expectation of one day becoming a doctor and providing a stable income, Galia wanted to make a difference in the world and influence others with debate and public speaking. During high school, Galia joined the debate club, and as a shy kid growing up, debate brought her the magic of confidence, and she realized how powerful it is to use our words to positively impact the world with debate and public speaking. So, Galia started TalkMaze to provide virtual public speaking and debate training for kids around the globe. Okay, welcome Galia to the Ideas Can't Win podcast. How are you? Thanks, Frank. I'm excited to be here. I'm doing well. How are you? I'm great. I'm great. So you know, I've been um, I know you for a, quite a while. So both of us went to the um, EO. We actually competed last year in EO Canada, um, and and it's super inspiring to get to know you and know your story. Um, so l- let me just get straight into. You know your your background and and uh, your grow up story. So tell, I'm also an immigrant kid, and I grew up in a different country and came to Canada when I was very young. I think for you, um, you also grew up in an immigrant family. So um, why don't you tell me a little bit about how uh, was it like growing up in, in an immigrant family? Your siblings and your parents. For sure, yeah. So my parents immigrated from Pakistan. I was born here, but I was the first person in my family to be born in Canada. I was born in Ontario, and then we moved to Alberta when I was pretty young. So I've grown up in Edmonton. But growing up, I think hard work was always really valued in my family, as it is in many immigrant families. My parents both left everything that they knew in Pakistan. They came here, and they didn't really have anyone here. They didn't know anyone before, and they started everything from scratch. So watching my father, who's an engineer, and my mom, who's a doctor, they both of them building their careers from scratch here. It was very inspiring and it instilled in me the value of hard work too. And growing up, I was also told that I should be really focused on my education and make sure that I'm getting into university and then getting into medical school. And the the idea was essentially medical school or engineering, but medical school was a top goal that all of us had to aspire to. And my older sister is actually just finishing up medical school my younger okay. brother is on track studying sciences right now in university. So that's kind of what it was growing up as an immigrant's child. Our friends became like our family because we didn't really have uncles or aunts around or cousins. But yeah, it definitely influenced my journey as an entrepreneur as well, as I'm sure you can relate because those values of hard work are super important as an entrepreneur too. Yeah, so I guess... Um... You know, a lot of the immigrant parents want their kids to have a stable job and, you know, earn a stable income. Um, mm-hmm. But I guess you're you're sort of the rebellious one among your family. Um, did, did your parents want you to be a doctor as well growing up or did you did you want to be a doctor yourself? Yeah, actually, I used to want to be an anesthesiologist because I I looked up highest paying career on Google and it said anesthesiologist, <laughs> make, I think, over 500,000 or something like that. So yeah, I wanted to be an anesthesiologist for a couple of years because of that. Pretty superficial okay. of me. But then, yeah, my parents expected me to be a doctor. And even now, I still often like hear, when are you writing the MCAT? So it's not over yet. But um, It's not over yet. <laughs> <laughs> maybe one day. But okay. no, I, I 
got over my like interest in wanting to be a doctor once I got exposed to entrepreneurship at a pretty young age around like when I was a young teenager 13 14 I started my first business at 13 and I loved business I loved entrepreneurship so my path kind of took a whole different direction starting then yeah that that was pretty crazy to hear that you start your first business when you're 13 years old I don't think I've ever heard anyone that started so early and and um, it was quite, uh, you made quite an impact. Why don't you tell, you know, tell the audience a little bit about your starting story when you're 13 years old? What did you do? And, you know, what was it about? Yeah, for sure. So I actually didn't know what business really was all about, or I didn't even know startups and entrepreneurship and all this stuff existed. I thought that I would get my first job. I, thir- I had turned 13 years old and I thought that it was the perfect time for me to get my first job because I was 13. <laughs> I'm a teenager. I'm old enough, right? Like 13 is pretty old. I thought at the age. No, and so, no. <laughs> yeah, um, I thought I'd apply for some jobs and I wanted to tutor kids because um, school was something I was good at and I was thought I could help some kids with tutoring. And I realized that no company actually wanted to hire me and I was still too young. So I ended up posting on Kijiji and just try to like freelance tutoring for a couple months. I would get paid $10 an hour. I'd do it two times a week. And it was good. But after a couple of months, I decided that I wanted to do more. And I wondered why there wasn't this opportunity for people like me to actually go and tutor and be employed by companies. So I spent that summer researching how can I start my own business where I can hire teenagers and hire post-secondary students to do tutoring around the city. And then I think I registered that business in November or September 2015. And then I hired, actually registered it in September 2015 and hired my first employee or well, contractor. I had contracted. I hired my first contractor yeah. who was a tutor in November of 2015. And that was my first official client as well. So I was another a tutor that I had hired working with a kid that had come to my company. And that was in November 2015. And I think my eighth grade year so it's pretty cool would you tutor Um, you're 13 years old who are you gonna tutor i was personally i was tutoring a grade five and grade two kids and then i think the person that i hired she was in high school and she was tutoring someone in grade three something like that oh but yeah what what would they learn from you like what did you teach them math and pe yeah we did everything we taught we started off teaching just k to nine in all different subjects it was always one-on-one tutoring, individualized, so we personalized all the lessons for the kids. And then as I got older, I also started hiring more tutors, and we started doing K-12, to and we did all the subjects. And actually, just a couple of years ago, we were also doing it all across Alberta and doing it virtually, especially as the pandemic hit. So slowly grew and expanded it to teaching more kids, where it started off with younger kids, and then I personally did, and also like a lot of my tutors actually tutored some high school kids as well. Yeah. Oh, were you? So you are like such a young kid, fifteen years old. You're hiring even contractors. How, how did you manage such, you know, an organization at that age? Where you, uh, I don't know what I'm doing when I was fifteen years old. I was probably like playing basketball all day. Didn't know what I was supposed to do. How, how did you manage that? Honestly, I don't know. <laughs> I wish I knew, but I was just genuinely really interested in this idea of being able to create something and make an impact. And I saw. They're like, this kid had tutoring now because of my company, because of what I had built. And like these teenagers had a job, the same job that I was looking for when I was 13. I couldn't find one. Mm. But now there was a platform Mm -hmm. for these youth to have jobs. That became our mission. It was to provide meaningful employment opportunities for youth and to provide affordable educational tools for families. So 
what we were offering were relatable tutors who knew the curriculum because they had just gone through it themselves. And people really started buying into that. Parents would come to us and say that, hey, I want to get a tutor from you because I know you have post-secondary students and high school students. They know the curriculum because they just did it themselves. And we want to get involved with you. And that became our brand and the mission. And I think that what drove me in terms of the organization itself and how to do that is that I got so passionate about building that platform for impact that even though I didn't know what I was doing, I was willing to learn that. So like I had to learn about bookkeeping. I had to figure out how to open a business bank account. I had to figure out how to get my business license, all these things that I had no idea how to do. But with research and connecting with organizations, I was able to do that because I was so driven by that mission. What was your parent uh, saying about your venture? Were they supportive? Well, I think at the beginning, I remember when I talked to my parents, they said, like, maybe you should wait until high school before you start that. Um, I think they were a little hesitant because they were worried that it would distract me from my education. But I think once I demonstrated that it was in parallel with my education and I was still going to continue focusing on that, they were supportive and they they were some of my earliest supporters. So I am very grateful to have had support from them from day one. And they... Like, even if I needed to, like, pay a, a minor fee of, like, $50 or $100 to register at first, I think my mom helped me cover that. So that was super helpful. Okay. And nice. just the emotional support as well was really helpful. Yeah. What, what uh, how, how long did you rent that for? Um, like, six years, I think. Six I years? Just, yeah, I just transitioned off of it because I started oh whoa i didn't know you're still doing it <laughs> yeah no crazy. we actually still had we still had we still had a student like six months ago it's like super it's more low-key now but um i because i'm so busy with talk maze i don't have the time to keep running yeah. that but it was yeah it was running full force at least until 2020 okay wow yeah. that that's crazy you've been doing it for six years and i i guess um through running your tutor business is there any sort of connections in, you know, how you started TalkMaze? Um, if there is this connection, you can talk about it. If there isn't, I would love to hear your starting story for TalkMaze. Of course. Yeah, there's definitely a connection. I think that there's there's a connection from everything I've kind of done from when I was younger. And it ultimately comes down to my passion in education and transforming the way mm. that we educate youth. So it's, the tutoring company was one example of that. But what I realized is that we need a solution that's more niche and focused on building what's most important in youth and that's confidence. I gain confidence by my involvement in debate. And before that, I would never have thought I would have started my tutoring company or gotten involved in leadership roles. Debate really pushed me out of my comfort zone when I was 12 years old. I realized the power okay. that debate has. And then in in high school, I began volunteering as a head debate coach at my former junior high school. So I started coaching the kids at that same school. And we had about 20 kids when I started coaching. But Within three years, that went from 20 kids in the program to over 80 kids wanting to join TalkMe's. Sorry, join join the sorry join the debate program then, and that's what resulted in TalkMe. So we had we went from okay. 20 kids in, so 20 kids wanted to were like in maybe 2016. So 20 kids are wanting to join the program, and then three years later, there were over 80 kids who wanted to join the debate program at that school, which I was leading as a volunteer debate coach alongside my sister at the time. And 80 kids oh. meant almost half of the school student body because there were only 180 oh children total. That's the so, largest club in the school. Yeah, yeah. And it's a debate club. And you wouldn't think that. It's a nerdy debate club. The kids were actually having fun. It was it was bigger than oh, the sports wow. teams. It was bigger than everything else. Because Holy. we had figured out, 
we had figured out how to make it fun. They kids had so much team spirit. They were excited. They were loving what they were doing and they didn't even realize that they were building lifelong skills. So when we okay. hit 80 students, though, we didn't have enough resources to keep going. Our The school administration told us to cut down the team. And so I had oh. to say no to kids who were in the same place that I had been when I was their age at 12. I still remember a child sobbing actually outside the classroom because they were cut from the debate club. They were so involved the previous year. And then because we had too many people, they had to cut some people from the club and deny children the opportunity in some of their most formative years to build the confidence that they could do public speaking and debate. And that experience is what resulted in my idea for Talk Maze. And I knew that I wanted to do something to bridge that gap, to bring it to more students, not just those who are in debate clubs, but even those who don't ever get the opportunity to be part of a debate club. So I started Talk Maze at the end of well I started thinking of talk maze at the end of my high school senior year oh and then okay. I launched talk maze at the end of my first year university in June of 2020 and we've been helping schools get the infrastructure to build public speaking and debate programs the school that I used to coach at is actually one of our customers now and we also wow, do one-on-one -on -one public speaking and debate training for kids who don't have debate programs at their schools to come directly to us and get access to the resources wow. that that's that's resonating with you know your own problem and before I get into Talk Maze, I want to understand about you. So um, you talked about how debate helped you really gain your confidence. Um, and, you know, running the club, running the, 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 the debate club really helped you to, you know, open up and see so much opportunity. So tell me about how did you fall in love with debate and, and how did you make that debate club so fun that, you know, people are trying to join and they couldn't get in? Yeah, well, it's a great question, actually. Um well, I love debate, first of all. I enjoy it a lot. I like the idea of being able to come up with different arguments, engage with your opponents, build your own case, and get active feedback. I think that it showed me that your words can have so much impact. Debate taught me how important communication is. And we would do it in a fun way, too. We would play debate games. We would do mock debates with one another and then when my sister and I were coaching at Grandview we also made it a priority to keep that fun involved so we'd start we still do any classes that we run our workshops that we have we always start them with fun games we keep that energy throughout and I think that what really set apart the team that I was coaching and the reason why they've been they've actually been awarded the Blair Ching Trophy three years in a row for being the top debate team in the province despite being one of the Ooh. only public schools yeah, despite being one of the only public schools in all the entire province to even compete in debate. And they've been okay. they've gotten that top level of trophy every year for being the top team. And I think that what set them apart isn't their accomplishments. It's actually that spirit that they had behind debate. Because debate for me at any point is not about the medals that you win or the championships that you get to in tournaments. It's about the skills that you're building alongside people, your peers, your coaches, your parents, people who are supporting you, because those skills last you for a lifetime. Like those skills are helping me right now as I'm talking to you. And regardless of how many medals or which medals I won when I was going through debate tournaments, it was really about that spirit of actually realizing you're building lifelong skills that are going to help you in every facet of life. And it's that same spirit that I brought to Talk Maze because a lot of a, a, a huge part of Talk Maze's mission is to reach people who are underrepresented in debate and public speaking communities. A lot of resources are often directed to certain schools or certain um, places, certain regions, for example, even in, I'm in Edmonton, and we don't have many debate coaches here who are skilled. So a lot of our customers for Talk Maze who are located in Edmonton are working with experts from Ontario or Quebec. We're able mm -hmm. to 
build those connections, which kids otherwise didn't have. And it's ultimately not about how far we can get them in competitions, although I'm confident that our students will do excellent competitions, and they actually do. Um, one of our students, Emily, she just placed top student in the province, I think, went on the nationals. And we've, we have wow. incredible really accomplishments proud. from the kids. Yeah, incredible accomplishments from the kids, but that's just that's not what it's about. And that's at the core of our mission. Like, you won't see us constantly advertising just they want all these things. We know our kids are going to do that. We know they're going to win those mm-hmm. things. But what's more important is that these kids have built the confidence to believe that they can yes. go on and take on any leadership role and take on any mission that they want. Yeah. I think public speaking and debate is sort of the, uh, there's a research about it and it's the number one fear um, of of human. Like it's even, you know, more than, you know, people are afraid of snakes. Uh, yeah. So h- how did you overcome your fear and how did you convince your kid to overcome the fear of public speaking? Great question. Yeah, it is. It's a big fear. And um, according to one stat, 73% of people who are afraid of public speaking. Yeah. I think that, well, for me, it was really about getting out there and actually practicing. That was a debate where I actually got to get in front of people. I got to speak. I did other activities, even taking out leadership roles. Like even when I was younger, I was involved in student government roles or leadership roles in clubs where I had to go and speak up. And then also getting tangible feedback from coaches and their feedback on how I can improve my public, my public speaking debate skills. It helped me a lot. But to be honest, I think that the fear of public speaking is also kind of lifelong. I still get nervous when I'm going to go speak. It's about being able to deal with it in a better manner and being confident that, Hey, I've done this a million times before I can do it again. Mm -hmm. And realizing most importantly, realizing that your words matter so much and that what you say can actually go and have an impact on hundreds and thousands of people. And I think that's what people don't realize about communication is that you overcoming your fear of public speaking, it's not just about you. You overcoming your fear of public speaking is about the potential that you have to use your words to impact hundreds and thousands of people that you're going to encounter in your life. Wow, I gotta frame that, man. That that is the (laughs) quote of the day. Wow. (laughs) You have such a grand mission and I think that's really, really important for everyone to even practice their public speaking and improve their confidence. But with such a grand vision, how did you get started? What is the first few steps that you get talk maze off the ground? Yeah, a great question. Um, first few steps to get talk maze off the ground was, number one, to get people behind the mission was important to know that what I'm doing is actually needed and that um, there's a space for it in the market because I also have to think from a business perspective to make sure that this can scale. So first thing I did was talk to people I talked to the kids that I was coaching at the junior high as a volunteer debate coach. I talked to other coaches in that circuit. And then I also, I literally just went on to random Facebook groups and I set up calls. So these are debate focused Facebook groups. I set up calls with people from around the world, asking them what the biggest problems that they saw in debate and public speaking were. And over and over again, I heard the same thing, that there aren't enough resources. Their resources are centered to specific areas. And there are kids who want more, but they don't know where to go and what platform is trusted to get additional help. And that there are so many kids that don't ever even get exposure to public speaking and debate. And so this consistent theme, it wasn't even just in Canada. It was a global theme. I was hearing from coaches, students, parents from around the world saying, how do we get, how, where can we go for these resources to build these communication skills that we know are vital? And that affirmed that what I was working on was needed and then next thing was building a team around something that didn't exist yet which is an idea Mm -hmm. and 
I one of my first hires was Thaddeus, who helped with uh, course content creation. I yep. met him on a Facebook debate group again. He applied to help out with TalkMaze. Initially, actually worked um, even unpaid for a little bit because you know we knew that it was a startup. We have no money, no capital. Yeah. And to this yeah. day, he still works at TalkMaze, which is amazing. And, oh, he still wow, that's great. Yeah, and he, I think like that really shows that people who bought into the mission at the beginning, they've seen the growth over the past two years and they're still here and they're committed to it because they see it becoming reality. And people, yeah, people like Thaddeus who are my earliest adopters really helped me have that courage as well to stand behind my vision and my mission. And I think that that was important to make sure that I know that the path that I'm taking is built based on feedback that I'm getting from people who are going to be taking advantage of the platform as well. Mm. And, and, I guess when, when you were, uh, after you taking these initial steps, um, you started seeing a little bit of traction. Schools are signing up. Kids want to learn more on how to debate and how to do public speaking. And I want to know when is the, oh shit moment for you when you're like, oh wow, this is what I'm doing is really meaningful. And I want to dedicate my whole life to this. Where I, this is really uh, a real business for me. Is there a moment like that? I know a lot of moments like that. I could share a lot of stories of kids and yes. how the impact that we've had on them. But I think I shared a lot of that as well. I'll share from a business perspective. I think that okay. I also, I needed to make sure that I was validating the concept as a viable business that could scale because I think it's really important for the org, any organization yeah. to have a self-sufficient model that helps it grow. And I think that I doubted that at first because I had some entrepreneurial and business experience, but I was also 18 years old and I was, starting talk movies with a really, really big vision with limited funding and really just getting into things while also being in my first year of university. And so I was doubting that side. And I think when I, the first time I got into the business side of things and really started believing in talk mazes potential to be a really big business that does really a lot of good. It was at a pitch competition in November of 2020. It was the mm. run by the Canadian small business for women association i think that's what it's called um and volition so that was a pitch competition for women founders and i submitted a pitch for that not thinking that i would win i submitted it just because i thought that like it would be a cool way to um you know dip my toes into this startup entrepreneurship world and so i submitted a video pitch and then i found out that i was in the top 12 semi-finalists and then i found out that i was in top six finalists and i was like no way like why am i in the top six of like these are so some of the business owners in that they had been working on their idea for a few years. They had hundreds of thousands of dollars in revenue actually. And I was there with an idea um, and my, my business plan essentially. And then I got into top six and I pitched my company then live at the pitch competition. They had, two, they had two awards. So they had the top pick from the judges and they had audience favorite. And so I was not expecting to win this competition at all because I was really just dipping my toes in and, TalkMaze won both the first place from judges and first place from the audience. Wow. And then I had, I, I was shocked. And these judges also, they were people who were quite accustomed to the startup space and they were um, investors and really involved with startups. So that was, I think, a moment where I realized that I need to believe in myself and believe in this vision that I can do it. And even some of the judges, actually, I think all of the judges, I ended up having one on one calls with them afterwards. And they talked to me about how they thought that this was a really sound business model and they saw a lot of potential in it and that I covered a lot of the things that the business need, businesses need to be successful. And that's why they selected TalkMaze. 
And then even getting the audience favored, it showed that the audience themselves, they understood the passion and the mission behind it. So I think that was a turning point for me in terms of really believing in TalkMaze as a business and its viability in a long term and really large scale. And it also gave me connections to mentors. Actually, one of the mentors who has helped me, actually, he helped me prepare for the Global Student Entrepreneur Awards pitch competition as well. And mm. he is he's based in British Columbia. and um, he was one of the judges of that competition back in November 2020. And so like he's still in my network. He's still helping me out. So some of my initial business contacts came from there as well. Yeah. Wow. So, you know, I guess you, you've participated in many, you know, pitch competitions and that really helped you to gain your confidence as well in the business. And um, you also foster a lot of relationship through those contacts. You mentioned your, your mentor uh, and many of your friends. So I want to know how... Because I know you're a solo founder and, and um, it might be lonely or, or not as supportive when you have like a whole team of other co-founders. So I guess mentorship might must be very, very important to you. And I want to know how does mentorship mean to, mean to you and how do you take that into consideration in your business? Great question. Yeah, mentorship is very important to me. I think that everything that I've done is kind of around this concept of mentorship, even from starting my tutoring business to now talk right. me is it's about yeah. how important mentorship is. And I'm so grateful for the mentors that I've had. I've definitely connected with them a lot through different organizations and yeah, mentorship has played a huge role for me. I have an advisory board for talk me that meets every oh. month or so. And you have an advisory board. Cool. Wow. That's crazy. I do. Yeah. And I actually just started that like uh, several months ago and it helps a lot. I have, someone like one of the guys on there he's a world debate champion he attends harvard now and he won the world school debate championship twice another person is an edmonton public school board trustee vice chair of the public school board trustees um and then i have people who are like involved in entrepreneurship investors entrepreneurship center directors and people from different areas of startups and then also people from different areas of public speaking and debate and they've helped a lot even if I only meet them like one hour every month or two that hour ends up being so packed with such valuable information reminding me of what direction I should take the company and their feedback on what we're doing I think feedback is so important especially as I'm growing this business to a scale that I haven't grown a business to before I'm learning a lot from people who have done this before so I really value mentorship even um, with the entrepreneurs organization our forum meetings are really valuable for me right. and being able to connect with not not even just um, mentors who are older or more experienced than me but also I think peer mentorship is really important some of the yeah. greatest things have I've learned are from people like you who have started businesses similar stages as I am and some of my thank peers you. in the startup space wow thank you that that's uh that that's really powerful um, and I guess, you know, how, how is, uh, TalkMaze doing and, and where are you going next for, for, in terms of TalkMaze? Yeah, great question. Well, TalkMaze is doing really well. We've been working really closely with schools over the past couple of years, and we've established some really strong relationships with schools in implementing our programs. And I'm super excited to share that we're launching a new one-on-one -on -one coaching stream in the next couple of months where we're going to be able to work directly with consumers as well. So that students who are from schools that don't have direct partnerships with TalkMe's can also access our programs. And I just hired a, one of our full-time employees last month and she's been working really hard on this aspect of the company as well. 
So there's a lot ahead. We have several people who have already reached out to me wanting to get started with that offering out of hours. And it's going to be blending really well with what we're already doing with um, our schools and our other offerings. So I'm super excited about that. And then in the long term, my vision is for TalkMoves to be the go-to platform for youth to build communication skills. I mm. want it to be a place where youth can come and find their voice for kids of all ages and from all skill levels so that they can use speech and debate as a platform to build their voice, build their confidence, and then use the skills that they've built to change the world. Wow. That's super amazing. Um, but I have, I have one question that I'm you know, pretty curious about because um, teaching debate and teaching speaking is it's an education in, in, in its own is very personal because um, you need to really sit down with the kid and, and show him how it's done. Um, and to, to make a huge impact, um, it, I think is extremely difficult. And how you thought about, you know, how can you make a bigger impact on a global level or to impact as many kids as possible? Have you, have you put in any thought into that? Yeah, definitely. And that's why where partnerships with schools come in. Where, like, schools have access to hundreds of students at once. And yeah. it's important to understand the education industry like that is that really the one place that all students are going to go to is schools. And that's why it's been a priority to establish relationships with schools. We have relationships with schools in places like Hong Kong, California, Canada, U.S., every, everywhere. Really, there's possibility to build those relationships with schools. And then also recognizing that the people who are involved in TalkMaze, whether it's our coaches or our students, they're really great people and ambassadors for TalkMaze to spread the word. Um, so it's really, it's about relationships, I think, at the end of the day, and our school relationships really help with the scale. Mm, nice. And I wonder, have you seen a change in the past two years? Because I guess, um, you know, speaking, there's a lot of in-person element too. you know, the, the human gestures, the eye contact, um, but everything has been moving to online. So how has that changed, you know, your speaking game? And how, what do you think it's going to have an impact in the future since everything's online now? Yes, it actually helped us a lot. Our program is oh. all virtual. We have, okay. uh, we've created a web platform that streamlines our programs as well. So kids can connect with their instructors, access our resources and have essentially their own profile on our portal. Everything is digital, even with schools when we work, it's virtual. So the pandemic really helped us because people are more willing to adopt that virtual approach and they realize that you're still getting a really high quality level of learning, even if it is virtual, and we make that a priority. It's also really important for TalkMaze because we have a global community of speakers and debaters. Our coaches and our students come from around the world, 14 countries, I believe. And that is important because now more than ever, communication is globalizing and we need to be able to communicate across mm. borders. So every single one of our programs offers opportunities to connect with these students and these coaches from around the world and understand communication styles and how they're different from different cultures, but also to be able to communicate with people of different backgrounds. Okay. And then, so I want to ask you personally, where do you think, you know, the future of communication is going and how are we able to communicate effectively in the future with just online, um, you know, simply online experience? What, 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 what's your personal thought? Good question. I think that there are more methods than ever before of communication. And even when we think of public speaking or debate skills, it's really about communication skills, right? If you can, if you yeah. can speak well, you can likely also write an email well, and vice versa, right? Communication goes in different directions. And now more than ever, we have communication being in so many different ways. Even you might not be able to get on a Zoom call, you might send a voice message to somebody, or 
a video message, especially if you can't, if you're across time zones and it's difficult to communicate synchronously. And those communication skills are vital in all of those aspects. More and more companies, for example, are doing video interviews now or even universities. Yeah. And a lot of kids freak out when they have to do a video interview without <laughs> like without a live interview because you have to record yourself. You're staring at a camera and talking. It's very scary. But those yeah. same skills of public speaking and debate come into play in all of those different aspects of communication. So I think it's, it's, it's harder than before, actually, because before you just knew you had to do it in person and talk to people, but now you have to be adaptable as well and change the way that you're speaking, you're communicating with different audiences and different platforms. Yeah, I do feel like it's when you're in person, it's easier to, you know, to speak to the person and get to know and have the vibe. Mm -hmm. But if you're really online, like I'm speaking to you right now, I can't really physically see where you're yeah. at. And if you want me to give a speech, I'm giving a speech to the screen. So I'm like, I'm, I'm also very like super excited to see of where this can go. Maybe, you know, in the metaverse, uh, when, when it happens in the next few years, we can, you know, actually see each other. And, you know, we have the feeling of giving a grand speech. It's, it really feels different when, you know, you're giving a speech offline versus online. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Okay. And um, one last question. So um, you've been starting your business, you know, running a business since 13 years old and, um, and doing talk meetings right now. If you can give one advice for, you know, young, ambitious people who want to start the business, what would that be? Oh, one piece of advice. <laughs> That's a good question. I would say it's that no one ever really has it figured out and you should just go for it and get started. I still don't have it figured out, but I also think that anyone, especially entrepreneurs at any stage, never have it figured out. And I think that oftentimes I still have this thought too, is like I have to hit X milestone or Y milestone too in order to do this. Or a lot of people I talk to will say, let me graduate and then I'll start my business or let me yeah. get this degree and then I'll start my business or let me have this amount of money and then I'll start my business. You can start lean. You can start with a little bit of money. I started my tutoring business with essentially no money and you can try out different kinds of businesses as well to start building your entrepreneurial skills. I would say that the worst thing you can do is wait to have it figured out because you will never have it figured out. So yeah, go for it and try it out. It's okay if you fail. You'll learn a lot that you can apply to your next endeavor. Yeah, don't be afraid. Go for it and let it fail and try try your yeah. next endeavor. Thank you, yeah. Galia, for being on the uh, podcast. Appreciating you giving your you know advice for young people and and thank you for sharing your story. Thanks so much for having me, Frank. Love that you're doing this. Thank you for listening to this episode of Ideas Can't Wait podcast. If you have taken something away from this episode and really enjoyed our conversation, it will mean the world to me if you can leave a review on wherever you're listening or watching. It will help this podcast to reach more like-minded people like you. Thanks again, and I'll see you in the next one.